This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Usually we need to go out west to get to the Western Regional Report with Jim Crisco. We typically find him in Alberta. But we did the opposite today. We're bringing the West to us. Just down the hall in Studio One is content development specialist Jim Crisco in Toronto for big meetings, big executive meetings. But he took some time away to talk to us this morning. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Dave. You know, uh, here I am. I'm in Toronto. I'm three doors down from you. And and uh, what are you having a party in there? Like, can you guys keep it down? Like, <laughs> it sounds like you're having too much fun. Yeah, I know. Uh, are, we're bleeding out into the boardroom. I can tell, Jim. I can tell we're bleeding into the boardroom and upsetting people. It's how we roll here on now with Dave Brown. Hey, uh, Jim, let's start with the topic coming out of Edmonton, where a local business is aiming to make the fashion world more inclusive, one photo shoot at a time. Tell me a bit about Kello Inclusive and what they're doing to increase representation. Well, this is, uh, this is a really cool story and, and so long overdue and necessary uh, in the modeling industry. This is from CBC, by the way, uh, the story here. And, and what it is is that a lady named Katie McMillan, uh, who's the founder of Kello Exclusive. She has a daughter who's a wheelchair user, and um, her 12-year-old daughter, Kelty, um, was, she wants to, she's in modeling, wants to become uh, a model, and does modeling already, but realized that there's, there's so many barriers to models. It, it's not an industry that's really adapted uh, at this point uh, to have in- inclusivity to models who may have um, either mobility issues or or neurodiverse uh, challenges or or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she she recognized this and she said, "Well, there's a whole you know people of e- either who are modeling or maybe want to get into modeling that there are barriers to it." Um, as an example, and this is a kind of a frightening uh, barrier. Is she said that I, I believe it is three out of four uh, fashion shows would not have ramps that go to the stage mm-hmm. for someone to be able to use it if you're a wheelchair user. So, you know, she, she identified this. So she decided to create this, uh, this company that was going to have inclusive, you know, basically be able to uh, help inclusive talent. And, yeah. and have photo photo shoots, et cetera, that, uh, that have inclusivity. Yeah, it really stands to reason, right, that if you want to show representation in your shoots and on your runways and on your, and on your walkways, you have to be able to make sure you're making clothes that are actually accessible and inclusive to people, right, that, that people with disabilities want to be fashionable as well. Maybe not me. I'm, I'm the opposite <laughs> of fashionable. But there are people who have that genuine interest and want to look sharp and want to look good. And because maybe there's some body differences or because there's the use of accessibility tools or mobility, aids, that that clothes need to be cut a little bit differently. That doesn't mean they're not fashionable. They're just cut a teensy bit differently. You're just moving some fabric around. Absolutely. And and the opportunity to see yourself in the clothing uh, really helps to purchase it, right? I, yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to uh, you know, even into catalogs and such, you tend to see models. We don't really recognize ourselves often in it. But you know, it's it's even a step more for persons with disabilities who who might not see the wheelchair or might not see the mobility aids mm-hmm. um, to be able to help them 
pick out, you know, clothing that they find in attractive. Yeah, absolutely. What's the response been like so far since the launch of the business? The, the response has been really good. The, the business only la- launched a couple of months ago. Um, and the, the, the response has been great, not only from the modeling community, uh, because there's, there's all these people that they, they may be models already, uh, that just haven't had that, that being able to work with a company that acknowledges and knows how to work with them, but also people who are, who are on the fence about modeling that now can give it a try. So the, the, the idea, the concept has been really popular, has been extremely, uh, uh, well-received and well-received, uh, for companies as well that that want to to have that presentation representation in their uh, advertising. Very good, Jim. Let's move over to Winnipeg, where there's a new transit policy in place that's aiming to better accommodate people with disabilities. So, what's changing here to offer better accommodation? Well, what's changing is on typically uh, right now on buses in Winnipeg, and I'm sure in a lot of cities in in Canada, there there is a you know at the front of the bus. A section for people who have disabilities uh, might have mobility aids, uh, you know, et cetera, that can, they can sit near the bus driver for, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's to communicate with the bus driver on what the next stop is. Sometimes it's, it's space for their wheelchair uh, or mobility device. But what's happened is those are, are kind of optional spaces. They're, they're, they're marked, but it's never been enforced before mm-hmm. that these are spaces for the disability community. They're they're spaces that if you show up and they're available, people use them. So what they're doing now, uh, and it's not being rolled out immediately, they're doing the education portion now. They are making it so that those seats have to be given up for someone with a disability if they get on the bus. So if someone is sitting there, there will be a message that's played, that is played on the bus or on the transit system that says, um, can you please relinquish, relinquish your spot to the uh, person with disabilities mm-hmm. um, that allows them to sit down? And now it's it's going to actually have um, some bite to it that, you know, people can be asked to move. The bus driver can ask people to move to a different seat in order to create this space. It's it's just giving the authority, right? We just hope, we hope that people would naturally be kind, that they would just have that natural inherent ability to be kind. But we know that kindness is not policy. And sometimes you have to put these actual structures in place and it makes sense. I know something they do in Toronto that I really like is they actually change the color of the seats for uh, for people with disabilities or the, I guess you'd call them the accessible seating options. So most of the bus is red, but part of it's blue. And maybe you don't quite immediately pick up on that what that difference is, but as soon as you figure it out and as soon as it clicks, you go, oh yeah, that clearly marks that this is a reserved seat or a seat that's reserved for someone who has a disability, who's elderly, pregnant, et cetera, who has a mobility need. And I think little things like that alongside with the idea of enforcement and structured policy makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And that, and that's really what it comes down to, right? Uh, you know, I, I think people have been given the chance to be kind. And then there's some people, I, I, I'm not saying they're not kind. I think there's some people that are just oblivious to that type of thing that yeah. they might not notice. Uh, and now they'll be, you know, it, it'll be worked through, I think. Not to mention taking a busy bus is a little bit like the Hunger Games. I've definitely, <laughs> I've been on those buses where I'm like, am I giving up this seat? No, no, I'm not giving up this seat. I need this seat. I must cling to it. Uh, Jim, you mentioned there's a bit of a timeline thing. We've only got about 25 seconds here, but what is the timeline for the implementation on this? Right now they're in the education phase. October 5th is when they plan to actually roll it out as as the new rules. Jim, this has been fantastic. I'm really glad we were able to connect with you uh, virtually down the hall and I'll 
come uh, storm your meeting a little bit later and take some of the pizza that's going to be there for lunch. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.